All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and uh, as always on Fridays, uh, we dive into our SEC Saturday predictions, seven games on the schedule for Saturday, and all of them uh, probably have a little bit of importance uh, for the most part in terms of SEC title race, uh, bubble picture, all those sorts of things. And uh, we will dive into the weekly mailbag a little bit later on, and let's just say there are some very entertaining questions uh, this week in the mailbag. But uh, we will first uh, look at uh, the games on Saturday, and uh, we start with Tennessee uh, hitting the road to take on Auburn at Auburn Arena. Uh, This is certainly an interesting matchup because uh, the Vols, as we mentioned uh, after their game against Vanderbilt uh, earlier in the week, um, they just haven't been very good on offense, and Rick Barnes was not happy with them. And uh, that's something they're probably going to have to fix here uh, if they want to be able to pick up a big road win like this. But on the flip side, Auburn uh, hasn't exactly been great on offense either when you look at how they played without Isaac Okoro. And uh, just keep in mind, I am recording this on Thursday night. And so uh, by the time, you know, the game gets here, we may know Isaac Okoro's status. Uh, As of now, you know, we don't know. And so uh, not sure if he'll play or not. If he does play, you know, how effective would he be uh, at this point? And I think that's the question we have to ask, not just about Isaac Okoro, uh, but about another player we'll get to uh, here in a minute. And uh, as we've said, there's there's no reason to keep repeating it. Anybody who's watched the game understands that, that Auburn's simply a better team when Isaac Okoro is on the floor, and Auburn is a better team when they're at Auburn Arena, and and both of those things have proven to be true uh, over the past, you know, week or so now, and so this does feel like, you know, a matchup where both teams are struggling on offense, and it probably helps the home team more in this case, because Auburn is, you know, going to be playing at home. They have been playing much better there. Uh, Tennessee, however, is in the top 10 nationally when you look at two-point field goal percentage defense. Auburn, meanwhile, shoots 53.5%. That's 31st nationally uh, in two-point percentage. So uh, that's going to be one of the matchups you look at here. Can Tennessee defend uh, Auburn at the rim? Uh, Can they stop them from shooting such a high percentage? Also think Auburn getting to the free throw line is going to be a big key to success here because we've seen them struggle to shoot the ball from outside and attacking the rim, getting to the free throw line. That's probably the path to victory for Auburn. Uh, I'll go Auburn 72, Tennessee 63 here. Uh, Again, again, not knowing if Isaac Coro is going to play. It's hard to really make a prediction with any sort of confidence in a game like this, but just just seeing Auburn back, uh, I think, for them, uh, back in their own arena is going to be something that gives them a confidence boost. And with Tennessee just struggling right now on offense, uh, doesn't exactly feel like a great setup uh, for the Falls. And Missouri uh, is going to head to Arkansas. Speaking of teams that uh, have been a little bit different in terms of home and away, uh, that's been the case for Missouri, as well as they've been playing here recently. Um, if you look at their last seven road games, uh, they've lost by 12 or more in six of their last seven. Now, we know they played a lot better in that recent game against LSU, so they can at least probably build off of some of that confidence and just build off the confidence of knowing how well they've played at home. Uh, if you go back to the previous meeting, uh, this was seemingly sort of where things got started uh, for Mizzou. They won that previous meeting between uh, the two by four in overtime. Uh, Arkansas had five players in double figures in that game, and I think that's an important statistic because getting that type of balance is going to be essential for Arkansas in a game like this where it's not maybe 
all on Mason Jones' shoulders to have to come out and you know score 40 points in a game like this because it's going to be hard to do, I think, against a Missouri team that does defend it pretty well at times. Uh, they've come along on offense, but, but they are a team that can defend it. Uh, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to be physical, and we know that uh, from the foul statistics and all that. Uh, you know, the first game did feature 73 free throws. And if you look at Missouri's uh, last 10 games here, I put out the, the tweet on Twitter, and I'm sure a lot of you uh, who saw it probably looked at it and, and wondered if it was actually real. But yes, uh, if you look at Missouri's last 10 games and then Gabe DeArmond uh, followed up and sort of did the averages, I put down the individual combined free throw shooting totals uh, in Missouri's last 10 games. And let's just say there was a ton and in pretty much all of their games. And I think it averages out to be close to 60 free throws uh, per game in their last 10 games. So that's kind of what you've expected at this point uh, from some of these Missouri games. And remember, knowing that the first one featured 73 of them, uh, hopefully we don't get that same scenario here, but uh, it could very well happen. You know, Xavier Pinson, this was kind of his springboard too. He had 24 uh, in that first game against the Hogs. Missouri dominated the glass in that one too. That also helped. Um, and, and like we mentioned with Isaac Okoro and Auburn, we don't know if Isaiah Joe is going to play in this game. If he does, how much does he play? How effective is he? Uh, those are things we don't know. So it's hard to factor that in to a prediction like this. And uh, what I keep going back to on this one is the fact that Arkansas is essentially in as a must-win of a situation as it gets. They can't afford to lose a game like this, and really they can't afford to lose games, period, at this point. Although they are still in the NCAA tournament picture, even at 4-9 and nine in conference play, they have to win this game. And the thing that they have going for them is that itself, is that knowing that they have to win a game like this and because Missouri, you know, if you look at the trends on the road, uh, they're trending up on the road and they're trending up overall. But uh, that last seven games, knowing that they have had those performances that haven't been very good, uh, I'm actually going to take a chance and lean towards Arkansas here. I'm going to go Arkansas 74, Missouri 71. I don't feel great about it and especially don't feel great about it uh, knowing how well Missouri's been playing and knowing that, you know, Isaiah Joe may not play in this game, may not be back. Uh, but any way you look at it, it's a huge game for Arkansas, and I do sort of think they step up to the challenge here, uh, whether Joe plays or not, and whether you know he plays a lot of minutes or not. I think they're able to step up here and get a huge win because they absolutely need one right now to break that losing streak. And even if Missouri were to lose this in a close game, um, you know, depending on how the game unfolds, I think Missouri fans probably uh, still feeling pretty good about where they're at. Uh, you know, again, depending on how this game unfolds, if you get blown out, you're probably not feeling great. But um, this is one where it should be a really good game. And I would be equally not surprised uh, if uh, Missouri were to go in and get the win because they have been uh, one of the most impressive SEC teams here over the past couple of weeks. And then there's Mississippi State uh, heading to Texas A&M, uh, two teams speaking of momentum uh, that both have that right now with Texas A&M getting that big road win at Alabama, Mississippi State getting the win against South Carolina. Uh, and now, you know, both of them trying to, to keep things rolling along here. Uh, when you look at the matchups here, one of the things Texas A&M does allow uh, a lot of offensive rebounds when you just look at the stats. Uh, Mississippi State, as we've continued to say, 
one of the bigger teams in the country in terms of size and a very good offensive rebounding type of team that can find a lot of second chance points. So that could be something uh, for Ben Howland's group to sort of key in on uh, in a matchup like this. Also worth noting, uh, Texas A&M gets 24.4% of their points from the free throw line. That's fourth nationally. Uh, You know, that is that aggressive, you know, attacking sort of style that Buzz Williams wants with his team. Um, And Mississippi State, meanwhile, gets 22.5% of its points from the free throw line. That's 27th nationally. So both teams in the top 30 nationally in terms of getting to the free throw line and and getting their points from the free throw line. Um, You know, and these aren't going to be two teams that are going to come out and shoot a lot of threes. Now, we say that, and we go back to that game against Alabama where Texas A&M goes 11-24 on the road uh, from three. And so that's sort of not – that's not the norm for this Aggies team – uh, because both of these, I think right now, are both in the bottom three. They're two of the bottom three in the SEC and three-pointers made per game. So this is not going to be a three-point shooting contest. If it is, uh, probably a lower-scoring game, and it's probably going to be that way uh, anyways. You know, But like we said, Texas A&M is making more three-pointers uh, in league play than they have overall this season, but that's because they've just gotten so much better. Uh, and again, that goes back to what Buzz Williams has been able to do with this team. Um, this is a tough one because, you know, does Texas A&M come out with that same sort of, uh, you know, mindset they had against Alabama? If they do, they have a good chance to win this game. But I really like the way Mississippi State's playing, and I thought this was the team that could sort of be the one that made a surge up the up the SEC standings. And based on how they're playing, when you look at their remaining schedule, and we'll get into that a little bit later in one of the mailback questions, um, I just like the way the Bulldogs are playing. And so I'm going to go with them here on the road. Uh, should be sort of a grinded-out type of game, I would expect, in one like this, like we said, especially for two teams that get a lot of their points from the free throw line. Uh, I'm going to go Mississippi State 62, Texas A&M 59. Yes, that's a lower scoring type of game, but what with the way both of these two teams play, uh, I feel like it could be a grinded out, low scoring uh, type of matchup here, but this would be another one of those games for Mississippi State. They're right there on the bubble. If they lose this one, you know, then they take a, a step back because that's kind of what happened to Alabama, and the same could happen to Mississippi State here. So this is a very important game for them, but I just like the way they've been playing. Uh, so I'm going to take uh, Mississippi State uh, to get a hard-fought win in College Station. Uh, but coming up, a uh, big game at Rupp Arena between two teams that are once again right there competing for an SEC title. Uh, LSU going to try to get back on track, uh, and South Carolina as well. Uh, Alabama and Ole Miss, the same scenario, both of them trying to rebound. And we will uh, jump into those games coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we look at Florida heading to Kentucky, uh, the usual SEC sort of heavyweight bout uh, in Lexington. Uh, Once again, these two right there in the standings, uh, having a chance to compete for an SEC title. We didn't know if Florida would be in that scenario, uh, but they find themselves there now, Um, you know, only a couple games back in this situation, and they get two games left against Kentucky. So Florida plays up to their their potential, and were to sweep this series with Kentucky, uh, they would have a, a chance to win the SEC regular season title, believe it or not. Um, what I love about Kentucky, and I said it in the LSU game, their scoring balance that they got in that win at LSU, and they've gotten it a lot more here recently. And I think their ability, you know, to get to the free throw line, uh, to find different ways to score. And we've mentioned the home road splits and their three-point shooting. Uh, We probably shouldn't expect Kentucky to come out and shoot it very well from three here since they're only shooting 22.3% 
uh, from beyond the arc at home this season, uh, whereas on the road, what is it? I think it's 38.3% now. Uh, so we probably shouldn't expect them to make a lot of threes in this game, uh, but they are going to find a way to get to the free throw line because that's what this team does. And uh, when you look at, at how Kentucky's playing, you know, Emmanuel quickly is someone who we've mentioned a lot too here, uh, and Kyle Tucker, who does great work for The Athletic, of course, also uh, one of the hosts for the Locked On Kentucky podcast, which if you're a Kentucky fan, I, I assume you're already listening to that, but if you're not, you need to because uh, those guys do a great job. But uh, Kyle was talking about on Twitter, you know, he was looking at the numbers and put them out there in terms of uh, Emmanuel Quickly's stats and a potential, you know, comparing him in that SEC Player of the Year type of race and comparing him to some of the other guys in there and they're very intriguing when you look at them uh, because we mentioned you know how many how many games in a row now he's had uh, all these double digit scoring performances and just how important he's been for Kentucky we've talked about Nick Richards all year long and certainly he's still a huge piece of the puzzle uh, but Emmanuel quickly has just been I mean he has been someone that has has been on a roll, and there's been a lot of people that haven't been able to stop him. Uh, so there's no doubt that he's played a pivotal role uh, for Kentucky, sort of a, as they've started to hit their stride. And and that's why I think it is it's hard to pick against Kentucky here because you know Florida does have the three straight double digit wins, um, you know against Arkansas, against A and M and Vanderbilt, but going and winning at Kentucky, as we've seen, is a tougher thing to do. Even though a team like Ole Miss you know, was able to, to have a chance to win that game. Uh, but I think with Florida, it's going to come down to what we say. If you're Florida, you have to force Kentucky to shoot threes. Um, maybe you try some different zone type of stuff, but if there's a team that can match up, you feel like, with Kentucky from a pure talent standpoint – Talent is not the issue with the Gators, and it hasn't been all season. Uh, they are a very, very talented team. Uh, it's just a matter of how do they choose to guard Kentucky here, and if Kentucky's getting the type of balance that they've gotten, I think it's going to be a really hard thing to do to go in there and win this game. So I'm going to go with Kentucky 77, Florida 69. Um, I, I, I do think Florida's starting to turn a corner, and you know if they were to lose this game, uh, a real battle where let's say Kentucky does win by, by the projected score of of eight points or something like that I don't think if you're Florida you're going to look at this and just be completely disappointed thinking you're back to maybe where you were when you were playing really inconsistent Um, you don't want to lose this game because it's a huge rivalry matchup as we know but I do think this is a spot where you know the Gators need to go in and play well because that'll keep their confidence rolling even if they were to lose a close game here, uh, they don't need to come out and just get blown out in a game like this because then you'll feel like we're back to square one uh, based on the fact that, you know, even though they rebound over that win at A&M, they got blown out at Ole Miss um, and stuff like that. So you don't want to, to be the Gators here and put yourself in that scenario. Uh, they need to play well, but I think it's hard to pick against Kentucky in this spot. Georgia heads to Vanderbilt, and uh, the Bulldogs will try to pick up another win after beating Auburn, Um, certainly the biggest win of the season for Tom Crean's team. And uh, if you look at Georgia, the thing is, you know, they are very inexperienced, but they have actually played a lot of close road games here recently. And if they can build off of that Auburn win, you know, maybe they're able to finally get one of these on the road like this uh, because they have played really a lot better on the road, certainly than they did uh, earlier in the season. And you've seen them sort of, you know, they've been close in some of these games, but they've still uh, been a team that hasn't been able to finish them out. 
And that's what you wonder anytime they play on the road. Uh, you know, are they going to be able to do that? Are they going to be able to make those key plays, even with Anthony Edwards on the floor, uh, to win these types of road games in the SEC? Uh, their inexperience, their turnovers, you know, they're not a great shooting team. Those are things that you sort of think about when they play a game like this. Uh, they have the second to worst assist to turnover ratio in SEC games. Um, so I could, I mean, I could see a letdown here for Georgia. I mean, I, you know, they are, you know, they play different at home. I mean, they, they as most teams do, and we keep going back to that, but let's face it, teams sometimes just play a lot different at home than they do on the road. And, and while Georgia has played better, I think the one that stands out for a lot of people was the big lead they got at Florida. The Gators ultimately came back and won that game. Um, but, uh, you know, now you go on the road and, and really – are playing a Vanderbilt team, as we've said many times now, that is certainly among the most improved in the entire SEC. And and with the way they play, you know, they got that big home win against LSU. They had a double-digit lead in the second half against Kentucky at home. And, and they've just played a lot better in Nashville. And this is one of those games that I think – you look at, you know, you see the Georgia win against Auburn, and you're probably going to say, okay, well, surely they're going to be able to keep this momentum going, going into a game like this. But if you've seen how much Vanderbilt has improved, the Commodores are a team that's tough. They've shown that at this point. They are playing with a lot more toughness. And I think Jerry Stackhouse's group is, you know, another one of those teams that's sort of. You know, they've actually played pretty well on the road, too, here recently, but they are a better team at home. And getting that win against LSU, how they played against Kentucky, they played Florida pretty tough in the game that they had uh, here recently as well. I'm going to pick the Commodores here. I'm going to go Vanderbilt 80, Georgia 79. Um, it's the SEC, so why not, right? I mean, the, the most people are going to pick Georgia in this game based off of the momentum that they have uh, from beating Auburn. But, I mean, it's the SEC. And as we've seen so many times now, the SEC often does not make sense. Uh, this could be one of those one of these games that, that I think just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but then again, it, maybe it does in a sense that you combine all those things we talked about with Georgia, with the inexperience, with the turnovers, um, potential letdown after your biggest win of the season, all those factors in play. And you've got a Vanderbilt team that just gets better and better seemingly uh, each game. You know, yes, I know the Florida game aside, in Gainesville, uh, but uh, I, I will. I'll, I'll go with the Commodores here because I, I think that they're you know in their element uh, at home, and uh, they could pick up uh, certainly a nice victory here against uh, the Bulldogs. But uh, LSU heads on the road to South Carolina. Uh, we mentioned two teams that are trying to bounce back. LSU lost at home against Kentucky. South Carolina lost at Mississippi State. And uh, believe it or not, this is actually a pretty important game for both teams, and I didn't think we'd be saying that about LSU at this point. Uh, but the Tigers aren't exactly anymore you know, a complete lock to get into the NCAA tournament. They're a number eight seed in Joe Lenardi's uh, latest bracket update. So they're far from a lock at this point, and I think that's one of those things that we probably didn't consider given how well they started in SEC play. And, and this is a big game because you lose a game here to a South Carolina team that 
you know, this is still a team from a number standpoint that isn't as high as it's, this is a different game. You know, you lose to South Carolina is much different than losing to Kentucky uh, because of the metrics, the net rankings, all those other things that go into it. Um, so this is one that LSU really needs to find a way to win. And uh, when you look at it here from a matchup perspective, uh, the, the team that fouls the most against the team that fouls the least. LSU fouls the least of any team in the SEC. South Carolina fouls the most of any team in the SEC. And South Carolina, uh, of course, is one of the, the teams that fouls the most in the country. Um, but LSU still can't guard anyone. And that's something that, that you look at with this game. I mean, South Carolina is a better offensive team than people give them credit for. They played pretty well at Mississippi State. Uh, LSU has given up 88 or more points in their last three road games. Uh, It's hard to trust them in a road scenario like this until they prove they can play defense consistently. Uh, But I think the positive here for the Tigers is that South Carolina does foul a lot, and we've seen time after time when LSU wants to be a great offensive rebounding team, LSU can be a great offensive rebounding team. And they were able to get some of those, you know, offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities. Um, they've been able to do that. And when they can, they can score a lot of points too. So even if they're giving up points, um, they can put up a lot of points on the board. I think that's something, knowing South Carolina's tendency to foul, I think LSU's opportunity here to get second chance opportunities off the offensive glass could be the difference. You know, that could be someone like Mike Coatsar for the Gamecocks getting in foul trouble, which would be huge. Um, so I'm going to pick LSU 84, South Carolina 80. And there's this is another one that I, I am not confident in at all because I don't like the way LSU is played on the road. Um, and I don't like the way they play defense. But I do think if there's a possible you know, way that they can find a way to, to win this game, it's probably going to be on the offensive glass. And it's probably going to be getting enough opportunities to get to the free throw line against a team that tends to foul a lot. Uh, if LSU can do that, we know they're not a good three-point shooting team, and so they're not going to take a ton of threes. Uh, at least they shouldn't in a game like this. Um, LSU may be able to get a win and finally sort of regain some of that confidence. Uh, but if South Carolina were to win, it would be a huge win for the Gamecocks because they would push you know forward once again uh, in the NCAA tournament uh, conversation. And then Alabama heads to Ole Miss, uh, another team that uh, sometimes not easy to trust on the road. And we mentioned LSU giving up a lot of points on the road. Uh, Alabama has given up 90 or more in their last three road games. So uh, not a lot of difference between those two teams when it comes to on the road and defense. Uh, But Alabama hasn't been a great defensive team. And uh, that's something that that came back to bite them in that game against Texas A&M. The Aggies, yes, they, they shot a very you know different sort of three-point percentage than they usually do, but you got to remember a lot of those were sometimes open shots, and you know college players at the SEC level uh, going to have a chance to, to hit some of those shots more often than not. And so uh, Alabama's got to get better on defense, and Nate Oates talked about that as one of the things. Certainly, he wasn't pleased with with how that Texas A&M game. Uh, you know, unfolded there down the stretch. And, and really, this is all about how does Alabama respond? Uh, because uh, this is a team that simply has to win this game uh, to even put themselves in that situation to, you know, potentially win enough games down the stretch 
to get back into the NCAA tournament bubble uh, sort of conversation uh, because, you know, if not, you, you can't afford to lose this game. And, and knowing that Ole Miss is playing really well, you know, despite back-to-back losses here, they're actually playing really well. Uh, I think looking at the stats, I'm pretty sure Alabama has lost seven straight in Oxford, and someone will correct me if I'm wrong there, but I looked on uh, Sports Reference, and uh, it looked like looking at the head-to-head matchups, uh, I think it's been a while since Alabama has won in Oxford, and seemingly remembering some of the games they've played there, uh, it seems like they just haven't shot the ball well uh, in a lot of games, you know, playing in Oxford, and so uh, that's something, too, that could come into play here, because Ole Miss is six nationally in three-point field goal defense, and remember, we know Alabama likes to shoot a lot of threes, um, so what does Alabama do to score here? If, if Ole Miss, if that stat trend continues, how does Alabama approach this game in terms of scoring? Uh, are they going to settle for the three, knowing that Ole Miss has guarded it really well this year, or do they attack more and try to get to the free throw line? Because that may be something they have to do in this game. They probably are not going to win this game shooting only nine free throws like they did against Texas A&M. So uh, that's certainly one of the, the big storylines to watch in this game uh, after that deflating loss to Texas A&M. And that's why, for me, knowing that they had that type of loss against Texas A&M, knowing that they understand sort of the magnitude of a defeat like that given their their race for an NCAA tournament bid, I'm actually going to pick Ole Miss here. I'm going to go Ole Miss 75, Alabama 73, uh, because I like the way the Rebels have been playing, and I just don't know how Alabama responds to that loss to Texas A&M. Uh, and knowing sort of, again, Ole Miss's ability to defend the three, Alabama's defense hasn't been great on the road. Um, you know, it's it's something where I think it's, you can understand why a lot of people may lean towards Ole Miss here and think that uh, the Rebels uh, are able to snap their own uh, losing streak and be able to, to pick up uh, a big win. So those are the games on Saturday's slate. And uh, up next, uh, we dive into the weekly mailbag. And uh, as I teased a little bit earlier, there are some very entertaining and intriguing questions uh, from uh, the people in the mailbag this week. Uh, Lots of great ones, and we'll get into those next right here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We dive into the weekly mailbag and uh, always the most enjoyable segment of the week. Uh, You guys send in your questions, uh, some serious, some not so serious. And uh, our first one is actually from the one and only, the person that we talked about last week. Uh, People were asking about him. When was he going to be on the podcast? When is he going to send in his questions? And that is the one and only Chimp, who uh, is on Twitter at Kerry Chimp. Uh, he is outstanding, and he has multiple questions as always uh, because he did this on the Southeast Hoops podcast for regular listeners of that show as well. Um, you know, everyone knows Chimp sends in a lot of questions, and we'll try to get to a couple of them. We'll save some of his others uh, for the next mailbag. But his first one is this. You are arrested at 1 a.m. The cops say you can call one SEC men's basketball coach to post your bail. Which coach do you call and why? So that is question number one from Chimp, and as always, the hard hitters right out of the gate. Uh, Chimp, I I worked up my response for this, and what I came up with, it it would be one of two guys, and so it's very hard uh, to narrow it down. It would either be John Calipari or Frank Martin. Now, for obvious reasons, Cal gets paid more than anyone else, so I know he'd have enough money to post a bail bail no matter what it was. Uh, And then with Frank Martin, if there's someone you want to come 
you know, to a jail to get you out, uh, I feel like Frank would be a good choice because, uh, I mean, someone that's, you know, a former bouncer, uh, someone who certainly, if he had to rough someone up, uh, you know, should there be any uh, shenanigans with the bail, uh, I feel pretty good about having Frank Martin in that spot to be able to do it. So uh, one of those two guys, uh, I'd maybe call Cal first, and uh, if he wasn't, out on the road recruiting, uh, I'd call Frank Martin to see what he was up to and, and if he could possibly um, come get me out. Uh, Chip's second question, your only choices from a judge are either A or B here. A is jail time. Uh, B, you must officiate one SEC game. Which game do you choose and why that game? Well, I would probably choose a Missouri game at this point because, uh, I, you know, not as a an experienced referee, uh, I would pick a Missouri game because clearly, I mean, if you look at the the current state of SEC officiating, there's something about calling fouls in Missouri games. So I would pick Missouri against anyone uh, because I, I'm not an experienced referee, and that would give me more stoppages in play. Uh, so I could at least, I guess, call a foul because it seems like uh, that is what you do in Missouri games these days. And uh, so I guess I would pick a game uh, that Missouri was playing in. I'm not really sure uh, who the opponent would be, Chimp, but uh, I guess I would go with the Missouri game because the opportunity to call fouls uh, at a very high rate uh, is apparently uh, the thing to do right now. So uh, those are a couple questions from uh, the chip. He has a couple more and uh, we will save them uh, for next week. Uh, We move now to speaking of Missouri. uh, Karen has a question. Well, actually she has multiple questions. Uh, Karen is the, uh, the fearless leader over at uh, Rock M Nation, uh, the Missouri, who I mentioned, you know, Sam Snelling, Matt Harris all the time on the podcast. Uh, those guys do great work, and so does Karen. Uh, she asks, uh, will Xavier Pinson win SEC Player of the Year as a late entrant? Uh, we talked about that uh, in the recap of the Missouri game the other night. Uh, everyone on the, the Xavier Pinson train, as they should be. He's playing really well right now. Uh, she also asks, uh, will Mizzou Arena break an, SC, an NCAA record for most free throw taking place in a game Uh, so this kind of follows up on what we had there with chimps question uh maybe they do (laughs) i don't know uh because it is it's it's incredible when you look at the stats uh, and I would tell anyone who, who hasn't seen that tweet, just go to my Twitter account at the, at the Blake level, scroll down, find the tweet on the Missouri Files. It may have been on Wednesday. It's usually on Wednesday, I guess. But um, go check it out because uh, that'll give you a better idea of just how many fouls are being called and why this is sort of a running joke uh, here on the podcast, on Twitter, uh, because there's just so many being called. And as some people have pointed out, Missouri is a team that fouls a lot, and maybe rightfully so at times in terms of the calls being made on them. Uh, but uh, for the most part, it's just it's hard to believe that there should be that many free throws being shot in Missouri games, uh, and especially in the ones at home. Uh, fans there have certainly seen a lot of free throws attempted uh, here in recent weeks. And Karen's uh, third question, uh, who wins the SEC tournament if it started today? Uh, I would probably go with Kentucky because we know it's going to feel like a, a home atmosphere uh, for the Big Blue Nation. And with the way that Kentucky's playing, uh, I think you'd probably have to pick them uh, if it did start today. Uh, the next question from <laughs> my Andrew Terry, uh, noted Alabama fan. Uh, he wants to know, why does God hate Alabama basketball so much? And he ends it with a thanks. Uh, I appreciate your kindness, Andrew. Uh, that was very nice to end it with a thanks. But uh, I can't answer that question. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, clearly, Alabama fans very frustrated uh, when it comes to lo- losing games like this in mid-February. Uh, it's sort of 
become a theme. And uh, I'm sorry, Andrew, I don't know the answer to that question, uh, but uh, hopefully things get back on track uh, for the Crimson Tide if you can get the victory. And because I picked against them, uh, you probably have to feel pretty good about your chances because usually when I pick Alabama, uh, they lose games. So at least you have that going for you. Uh, Jacob uh, wants to know, uh, from one Alabama fan to an Auburn fan, uh, Jacob wants to know, do you have any ideas for improvements to SEC basketball scheduling to make it more balanced for top teams or at least provide more structure? Uh, Jacob, I'm going to hold that one uh, because I think that makes for a very interesting discussion. It's probably one that could go into an entire segment of its own, uh, one we could certainly use maybe after the season because uh, I do think it's a fascinating question. You've seen other conferences you know, start to go to these these schedules that involve more conference games. Uh, that takes away, you know, your non-conference games. But um, it is something that I think a lot more conferences are going to look at in terms of trying to to do schedules differently. And whether the SEC does that, uh, we'll see. But that is a very int- intriguing question, and one we'll uh, we'll definitely talk about more uh, probably once we get into the off season and seeing, you know, what are the possibilities of that, and are there ways uh, that that could work out. Jonathan wants to know uh, at bracketologist three by the way i've always talked about jonathan he does great work uh bracketology wise and he's just a fun follower if you love college basketball uh follow him lots of great stuff on his feed uh he wants to know he says you're given a trampoline three feet off the ground to jump on can you dunk over taco fall um probably not i think i mean this guy is just he's so tall and I probably wouldn't be able to do it. Um, there's a reason, you know, he's in the NBA now and I am not. So I'm going to say probably not, but, uh, I don't want to underestimate myself either. I mean, listen, I wasn't really known uh, for my leaping ability as a high school basketball player, uh, more of a three point shooter and a free throw shooter. So maybe I would have fit in, uh, in terms of, uh, in the sec, cause certainly we know sec players get a lot of opportunities to shoot free throws. So, uh, maybe I should have, uh, been an sec player, but probably dunk it over taco fall. Not something that, uh, is, uh, you know, a strength of mine. And even with a trampoline, Kyle, uh, noted person who, uh, always, you know, accuses me along with Andrew and others, of being an Auburn fan. Kyle wants to know, how much of a recruiting bounce can we expect for your Auburn Tigers after their appearance on The Bachelor? Well, it's got to be pretty huge, doesn't it, Kyle? I mean, you know, you've got the Auburn Arenas there. You've got Bruce Pearl. um, The whole entire picture, I mean, it's Auburn basketball, The Bachelor. What what else do you need? Right, Kyle? I mean, you know this. Um, So, uh, sure, I mean, it's got to be a huge recruiting boost. I mean, look, Jalen Green's already coming there. So, um, in all seriousness, that's not official, as we know. But uh, we did see uh, a lot of recruiting updates in terms of uh, the crystal balls uh, from from Jerry Meyer and a lot of other guys who seem to think that Jalen Green could be on his way to Auburn. So, there you go. Maybe The Bachelor is is what did it. And uh, I know that's sort of a, a joke that's being made on Twitter right now. But uh, yes, it was very it was very interesting to see SEC basketball represented on The Bachelor. Uh, not something that I expected, but hey, this conference has come a long way. And as I've said, um, you know, SEC has, has become the entertainment capital of college basketball based on how games are played. And now uh, you have uh, a team being featured uh, on a reality television show. So the next question comes from uh at uh, dog for lounge now this is lounge dog on twitter now he has the number four 
after his account name. And the reason why is because his account gets suspended on a regular basis, and he is now on account number four. Uh, but yet he asks a pretty serious question here, and it's one that I, I actually mentioned uh, on a radio appearance I did this week. He asked, do you think Mississippi State can finish second in the league? And if you look at the schedules, I'm telling you, there is a realistic possibility that Mississippi State could find a way to get the second in the league. If you look at the people ahead of them, you know, Florida, um, you look at LSU, you look at Auburn, uh, teams like that. I mean, even Kentucky, uh, you know, Florida and Kentucky have to play twice. Uh, LSU still has some tough games. Uh, Auburn, I think Auburn's path is okay, but not knowing, you know, Isaac Okoro's injury status, who knows? So, yes, Mississippi State has, on paper, the best schedule, I think, of any team probably when you look at the rest of them uh, in that group. So, it's possible Mississippi State could make a run to second, uh, but uh, any game now is tough. We know this time of season, especially trying to win on the road. Uh, but uh, yes, it is actually a realistic possibility. Uh, so uh, there you go, Lounge Dog. Please don't get suspended uh, again on Twitter, and we'll be get taking questions next week from uh, Lounge Dog fourteen or, or something like that. Um, and the last question uh, for this week uh, comes from uh, Christopher Smith, and I'm excited to to try to get him on the podcast. Uh, he does great work uh, betting stuff, and he's just uh, been someone who's followed the SEC for a while, um, and, and he's done a lot of great work. But he asked this question, what are the three most miserable SEC fan bases in 2020? And that's a, a really good question, I think. And it feels like, you know, there are a couple that stand out to me. I mean, we know Alabama fans are, are frustrated. I don't think they're miserable. Uh, so maybe finding ones that meet that miserable sort of uh, definition may be tough. But uh, I think Alabama fans are among the most frustrated at this point uh, based on just one loss. But, you know, they weren't, I guess, as a whole. Uh, I think Vanderbilt fans probably in that group because they've lost their best player to injury the past couple seasons. So I think you would have to throw them in there. And really elsewhere, I mean, I guess, I mean, Arkansas fans, I don't know, this losing streak, like I feel like this has certainly put them in a spot where the as well as they started, they've got to probably be feeling pretty miserable right now based on where they're at and potentially missing the NCAA tournament when they thought that there was a really good chance they were going to get there. And I guess if you don't, if you want to grab someone else in there, maybe Georgia because they have Anthony Edwards for one season and, uh, you know, more than likely not going to make the NCAA tournament unless they win the SEC tournament. Uh, so I don't know. There, there are probably several you could pick uh, from that group in terms of fans that, that may not just be completely miserable with where they're at as a program, uh, but based on maybe some recent performances, uh, they could be feeling that way as we get ready to uh, head into March. But uh, that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the podcast. As always, great mailbag questions. I appreciate the interaction. It's always fun. Uh, but be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Head over to any podcast app you use. Just search for Locked On SEC. And uh, that way you can uh, subscribe. And uh, be sure, again, if you enjoy the podcast, leave a nice uh, five-star rating or review. That helps the podcast reach more people. Follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel, and I will talk to you guys next time here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.